Welcome back to uh, How Real Estate Changed My Life. Uh, my name is Kyle McCall. You've probably heard the episodes prior to this. And really, our, our goal for this podcast is just to let people know how accessible real estate investing is and the impact that it makes on people's lives. And for it to be a positive impact, you have to have certain people that support you. Um, may it be a mentor, maybe resource like a lender, or in this case, an attorney. So I've got Spencer Chafin here. He is my go-to attorney for all things real estate related when it comes to transactions, entities. He did my estate planning. He's my go-to guy when I call for kind of anything that's unique also. Spencer, you want to kind of talk about real quick who you are and what you do, and then let's let's get into it. Absolutely. Well, Kyle, I appreciate you having me on here and and the uh, very flattering introduction. So um, I always want to be that go-to guy. That means I've I've done good for that client. I've shown some value, things of that nature. But uh, tell it a little bit about myself is born and raised here in Grapevine and ended up moving back here after being gone since 2005 due to undergrad, law school, things of that nature. So it's it's nice to be back in my old stomping grounds. But with, with our law firm, we focus in the areas of estate planning and business planning. And so business planning being more broad, uh, that's where we can help out in many different ways, such as real estate transaction, employee matters, like agreements, things of that nature. I will say one thing we don't do is we don't step foot in the courtroom. We are not litigators. It's not what we're here to do. We want to try and keep you out of court. We want to keep things structured. So that's that's where we get joy and helping add that value to our clients is knowing that they've got something structured in the way that they want and need and that it's going to help everybody out. Well, having a good attorney set things up the right way kind of keeps you from needing to go into the courtroom because if you got it all set up, then you know there's a little bit of protection there. That's so- exactly right. It's it's all about kind of setting. It, it, it's it's a marriage, even you know, with a landlord and tenant or what have you. Um, it's still a marriage, and and you got to go into that marriage knowing the rules, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Of you know, this is this is what we're agreeing to coming together, and and if you don't have those expectations laid out, then that's where a lot of times you have have a lot of conflict. And, and and so we want to try and avoid that. We want to know what is expected of both sides and have everybody agree to it before you enter into that agreement. Yeah. We're very fortunate in Texas where Board of Realtors has an amazing lease. It's very, very long. But the great thing about it is it tells it as every scenario pretty much covered, like from broken windows to didn't pay my rent, whatever. So it's very well covered. And exactly what you're talking about, everything's kind of out there. So there's no confusion. You know, we have to remind people, this is what you signed. We went over, we go in real detail with our tenants prior to moving in. Like, hey, this is what your what the lease is and initial next to everything. So that they can't be confused that they didn't read their lease. But uh, so let, let's backtrack a little bit. You know, our families are friends. Like I married into a good family. You married into a good family that they were already family friends. So it kind of worked out great. And that's how I really got to meet you. We benefited from, from yeah, we, we both, we both we got promoted up. We got, yeah. And I think the first time I used you, if I can remember right, I don't remember if it was creating, creating a business entity that I was holding assets in, or I think it was on a entity that uh, we were remodeling homes, uh, DFW landlord services yep. uh, or property maintenance pros, one of those two where we do work for other people third parties. So we wanted to make sure that we have a good contract and not only a contract for the the work that we do, but also for our subcontractors that we hire. And you did a great job of covering all of the requirements of a sub and expectations of a project. So do you want to kind of talk about maybe how to 
I mean, there's so many things we can go down, so many different rabbit holes, but like a lot of the people that are listening to this are like, hey, I want to buy this house and flip flip it, or I want to buy this house, fix it up, make it a rental. And a lot of the worst things that happen in that scenario are the contractor relationships. Do you think that might be something good to talk about? Absolutely. So, I mean, really what it, what it comes down to is who's getting paid and when and what services the other party getting. Mm-hmm. And then all the kind of, you know, in between of getting it done. And so really it's very, very important. The, you know, we'll say the sub, the sub wants to know one, what is it that they're doing? Mm-hmm. And of course they're going to do only what's listed in there. Usually don't, yeah. don't expect more. Don't expect less. And that's okay. I'm not, you know, I'm not picking on the subs. That's just the way that it is because I've, I've heard it many a times, you know, build it the way I wanted you to build it, not the way I told you to build it. You know, well, mm-hmm. they don't want to get sued. So they're mm-hmm. going to build it the way that you told them to do it in writing. So, so they're going to follow it to a T. So you got to be very, very clear about, Hey, here's what I want you to do. I'm hiring you to do X, Y, Z. And here's how I need you to do X, Y, Z. But they also want to know. How are you going to pay me? So you want to be very clear. And that was that was kind of one of the things that we worked on very detailed for you, because I know it was very specific of, okay, we're going to do it in these tranches. And here's how we're going to define you've met this criteria to get this payment and so forth and so on. And it really is, you know, just being very clean, clear, but what most people want is concise. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes you can't be concise because, you know, you want to start hitting every little detail, but you got to have it written out and you know, what's expected such as like protecting you, Kyle is okay. If I'm, if I'm bringing in a subcontractor, I'm going to make sure they have insurance. That's absolutely. That was, that was a big thing. Yeah. Because you don't want, if they do something, break something, what have you, something happens. Well, you want to make sure that they're going to be able to take care of it. Mm-hmm. And insurance is always the first way. Of course, that's always important for you as as the property owner is having your own insurance. So that way, if they don't, you can lean on yours a little bit. Mm-hmm. But but it's always good to push that on to someone that is stepping onto your property, mm-hmm. making sure that they're protected and protecting you as well. And and it's just kind of like a renter. You make them have renter's insurance. You don't want to pay for their stuff if it gets, you know, lost, destroyed, what happens. But but yeah, it's it's very, very important to just make sure when you're contracting with with a subcontractor, so to speak, you are covering everything that you want done. Because if if you leave something out, obviously they're gonna say, Well, it wasn't in there, now we're gonna charge you this. And that's a lot of times you hear those where the big issues arise of we didn't do what I wanted you to do. I don't see it in there. Well, it should have been, you know expected based off the project well that's not always the case and so and that's why we have change orders you 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 did a great job at the end i've got change orders so if something pops up that we didn't expect we can put a change order and address that that's exactly right you know because because things like that do happen of once you start tearing out those walls things that nature you know they may come across something new going hey we've got a bigger issue here or oh you know what we don't want to do the cabinets this style we want to do it this way Okay, well, that's going to cost something extra and, you know, okay, great. Let's all be flexible about it, but let's be reasonable too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all clear. So, all right. So we talked about contracts to some extent. So as a real estate investor, when should I go to an attorney in general? Yeah. Like- so, so my caveat is always, you know, mm-hmm. you're getting into it. You should have legal advice. Now, is there legal advice all over the internet? Yeah, there is. But if you actually read the bottom of every, every one of those letters, it's uh 
this is not legal advice and you should seek legal counsel and things of that nature because they don't want to get in trouble and, and and i get it and you never know who writes that stuff it could That's be some exactly chat right. bot and it, yeah and don't don't get me started on that but and and for the fact of that may not fit your exact scenario mm -hmm. uh and and so a lot of that legal advice is very generic anyways but the 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 important thing from day one is protecting yourself as as a property owner in in the the real estate industry and so usually one of the more common things that you'll see is what's called an llc a limited liability company well what what is that and what good does it do well just like it says in the first part of it limited liability so it's a company where you typically will own your real estate in and and manage or, or run your business through it and the reason for that is say the tenant slips and falls and sues well who are they going to sue they're going to sue the owner of that property well if the owner is that company and if the company was run properly and set up properly it shields you personally from the that tenant from getting outside of those assets of that company and coming after you personally getting the proper structure set up from the beginning and maybe having the proper lease agreement set up from the beginning though you did did mention that uh t-rec the the t-rec form mm -hmm. the texas real estate commission they they do have a great form so you could potentially use that and get away with it not a problem but having all of that implemented first is very very important now what i will piggyback off of that is not only a, do you do you need an attorney at the beginning but a cpa because you're going to start getting that stream of income. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you want that stream of income taxed? Well, depending on how you structure your, your company and how you're running things, that's going to affect your taxes. And you need some guidance from a CPA, from a tax perspective. So all of those come into play at the beginning of how do I protect myself and how do I make the most money from a tax advantageous avenue? To answer your question is you should get an attorney at the beginning. Right. In my professional opinion. Mm -hmm. Now you've done some, I'm not going to say unique, but you've done some things for me. And like when I was traveling and I wasn't going to be accessible to close. So I was able to like give you authorization to do that kind of like a power of attorney literally uh, for a transaction. So that was helpful. So that might be something that would come up. Yeah. So, so in structuring your business, you know, you may be, it, it may be just you owning the business by yourself, or maybe it's a married couple owning it together or two two friends so so kyle say you and i join in together in an llc and we're 50 50. well we got to understand who's going to run the business is it both of us is it one of us am i a silent partner what have you but if you go on vacation out of the country can i act on behalf of the company well more than likely yes depending on how it's structured but you also do have that flexibility under certain state laws that you can authorize an individual to act on behalf of the company in a very limited manner you know, obviously you didn't want me making payroll you know yeah. uh to people and stuff like that of course i wouldn't because uh, i'm an attorney i don't do numbers yeah. uh, <laughs> but but yeah there's there's some of that what wonderful flexibility that you have through companies of being able to grant someone some authority to take that burden off your shoulder so to speak so we've hit contracts we've talked about um when to hire an attorney Something else that I, that I put off way too long was estate planning and insurance. So I know that's one of your strong points in your firm is doing estate planning, especially for business owners, I think. And 
how important that is. So do you want to talk about kind of how that plays a role to maybe a real estate investor? Absolutely. So so the people have got to remember that owning a company, the asset of the company is actually your ownership in the company. And that's really, really important because when a business owner dies, well, then you've got a triggering event of, you know, either the company doesn't have an owner, they're in limbo, or you've got provisions in there that say who can step in automatically take care of things. But the the other big concern is what kind of downtime is there? You know, who who has the authority and when do they receive that authority to be able to act on behalf of the company? And so having a properly implemented estate plan can help limit that downtime for someone to be able to take over managing the property, running the business, things of that nature, or even being able to sell. You know, one of the 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 big things I see as an estate planning attorney is you know a lot of times property is just owned in, in an individual's name and then when they die that property doesn't just automatically go to whoever is listed in their will and what has to happen is the property has to or the estate has to get someone appointed usually what you've heard is called the executor or personal representative they have to go to court get appointed jump through a few other hoops before they could even sell the property if that's what they want to do or be able to transfer it to the beneficiary. And so it's not always a fast process. It's it's not, it's not. And I've had, uh, I'm actually helping some, some clients right now where parents, married couple, dad passed away, mom's incapacitated. And so they're kind of doing double duty. They're having to administer mm. dad's estate on mom's behalf, as well as help take care of mom. And their mom's in, a, in an assisted living and they're trying to sell the house. Well, you can't just go sell it. You got to get you got to get appointed to even have the authority to sell it. But then you got to get a little bit of other paperwork to sign that contract and then actually transfer the property to that buyer. But it can still be done inside that probate estate. But it's not it's not like Kyle. If you woke up this morning, and go. You know what? I'm going to go sell one of my houses. You had a buyer and you could just sell mm-hmm. you know the next day that's it's definitely not that quick you just got to be very mindful of that of being an owner yourself of hey if i'm going to leave something to my spouse or my family how am i going to do that am i going to make it more difficult by just you know leaving it open-ended not having a plan in place or do i want it to be a seamless transition from me to whoever it's supposed to go to. And so you've got to have the right plan in place, whether it be, you know, a state plan or business plan in place. Because so, you know, I've got I've got a business partner with with my law firm. If one of us dies, the other receives that uh, deceased member's interest in the company, but their family is to receive money in return you know because if i died my business partner doesn't want to work with my wife she's not an attorney anyways so she couldn't be an owner in the in the the company but she needs to receive compensation for my interest and so it goes from a two-member company to a single member okay great we've got those provisions in place and how that takes takes effect without going through court so it's it's all about the proper planning and getting things just lined up to know, hey, should something happen while I own this asset, everything's taken care of. Yeah. We've seen as a property management firm, you know, we've seen 
at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've seen it done horribly and we've seen it done smoothly. And uh, we've had a, a, a number of houses that were owned in individuals' names. And when a tenant finds out that the owner died, it's kind of like to them, it's like they won the lottery. Like they get to do whatever they want. They don't have to pay rent. What It's like, I don't get, I don't, guys, ladies gone and you know, I don't have to pay you rent because you're not my landlord. Like, and that's what they have in their mind because everybody wants a free ticket. Right. But, uh, you know, when, when it's in an LLC, it's a little different. And then we inherit a lot of properties because uh, people that in, literally inherit it don't know what to do and they hand it to us and we have to straighten it all out. But we've had, I've had a, a few that have been in like family trusts or they've really structured it out well. And the, the ownership seem, seamlessly transitioned very smoothly after a, a, a death and tenants, no problem. Everything went real smooth. Everything is fine. No, no money hiccups for getting paid and everything. It was real. It was no court. Yeah. No, no court. Yeah. We didn't have to think about anything. It was all, all done for us. It was like, Oh, he's, here's the new person. That's it. It was so nice. You might just be paying more people, like, you know, more people because maybe they had two or three kids or what Mm -hmm. have you, but still the operation doesn't change because it's still the same entity, so to speak, owning it. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. It's, it's always kind of like, I equate things of that nature to like Microsoft, and when Bill Gates dies, Microsoft doesn't die with him. Yeah. He keeps running. Now, his family is going to get what's owed to them from his interest in it or mm-hmm. what have you. But that it's still the same thing for, for us regular Joes of, okay, if you look at your, your real estate as your Microsoft, mm-hmm. what's going to happen to it when you die? Do you want it to keep running or do you want it to be liquidated and sold? Well, mm-hmm. you gotta have you gotta have that plan in place. And um, I think that's where having you, you know, work with Courtney and I on our state planning, you asked hard questions that we hadn't, you know, we think we know the answers to, but then we didn't really think that hard about them. So that was very, it was a really good exercise on like, what if then statements on how, how, what do we want to happen? And I'd much rather what Courtney and I want to happen actually happen. And that's only going to be a, a result of having it all written out and, and, to whoever's in charge afterwards. That's exactly right. And here's here's the great part about having the, the plan set up properly today is that's good for today. So mm-hmm. like my kids are six, four, and one. What's good for them today may change 10 years down the mm-hmm. road, 20 years down the road. And great, you can update that and say, say, you know, one of my kids wants to be more involved with this aspect of one of the companies I'm a part of. And the other two, don't care anything about it. Okay, great. We can start changing how things play out for the others. And that's okay because, you know, not, not everybody wants to do what their parents are doing, but you were, you were telling me before we jumped onto this is like, you're very intentional with your children about, Hey, here's what we're doing. And here's why I do it. And Mm -hmm. this is the path we're going uh, through our company or through the charity that y'all set up and it helps the kids understand more of, wow, that is something I want to do or ah, ah, that's just not my cup of tea. And that's okay. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's not a problem. Like my, my dad owned a countertop business for 16, 17 years in the, in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And, and I grew up around it and I actually was, I was only able to work for him for one year due to them changing laws when I was was 13, you couldn't work around heavy machinery. So, so I ended up working for an aunt that had a supplemental insurance business. 
So I worked for her for three years inside during the mm-hmm. summer in Texas. And I worked my my last summer before, you know, college for my dad. And I'm sitting there going, well, that's a good business. That, if, if you've got the clients, that is a great business. So funny thing is I worked in a cabinet shop and I was the countertop guy for two years in high school and two in college, all my, all my Christmas breaks, all my summers. And that was, uh, you know, it was a metal building and I had the the glue gun that I had to spray out, (laughs) heat it, laminate before we'd bend it. Yep. Bending it, I don't remember, it was 200 degrees, something, it was hot. Well, we couldn't have fans going because sawdust would get on the glue. So I never had air conditioning, anything. And it was a hundred and something degrees outside in a metal building, (laughs) what it was, but uh, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. I mean, it taught me, you know, I remember I'd take my lunch breaks or whatever. And the old men that I'm working with, are like, stay in school. (laughs) They were right. Then they didn't need to be the ones that inspired me, but they certainly did. But uh, I I got to see what it's like to to really earn your dollar. And uh, I appreciate that dollar more. I do too. And that's why like I, my son who's six, you know, my dad's a home builder. My father-in-law's commercial construction. My brother uh, used to work for a steel refinery. And he he's now working for an electrical company. And then I've got another brother-in-law that's kind of an electrician, so to speak. And he's always been like, "Man, I, I kind of want to do that." And I'm like, "Please, the trades are awesome, man. You mm-hmm. know, you got a great opportunity to learn and then grow. And you know, with with today's age, I mean." It's you're well aware of like there's been kind of a stigma of like looking down on yeah. on the trades, but so there there hasn't been a lot of growth in it. Man, what a great opportunity to own such a business and and you almost kind of write your own check, so yeah. to speak, because of the the lack of of people wanting to work in it. And so so yeah. I actually encourage my kid uh, don't don't worry about being an attorney. You, mm-hmm. you got a great opportunity if that's what you want to go do. Yeah, there's there's a lot of opportunities for just in a big term trades, but just yeah. anybody that's I, I encourage anybody that goes into a profession that you can't outsource to India or China or Eastern Europe, what something that can't be outsourced hundred percent, you want to be in it. And that's why we're in the trades too. You know, we manage rental properties, but we made the decision to go above and beyond just managing rental properties, but actually hammers, nails, paint, everything, because we have more control of the process, but then that's, that's where the future is. Uh, and I'm, we're well aware of that. Well, and then, and then to kind of bring it all together, it's like, you're keeping the money in house. Yeah. You know, you, you're not paying that subcontractor. That's not a part of your group. Yeah. You know, it, you're paying that third party. It's like, man, that money goes out the door yeah. and it, it's a bummer. Well, my clients don't get as a good a good of a deal. Like just last Friday, Friday we had a, a sewer line problem in, a, in an old home. I mean, it, it was going to need a sewer line. I knew it was. I, I own this property, and um, I'm not going to call him a gentleman. But the guy went out there wanting to give me a bid to repair it. He's like, "Yeah, it's good. You're so good. I'm going to give you a discount. It's only so many dollars per linear foot. So between nineteen thousand five hundred. I'm like, I know exactly what's involved and what you're about to do. And I understand what part of it has to be licensed and what part doesn't have to be licensed. So I'm getting it done for significantly less, like 4K, because I I can make the pieces come together and I couldn't earlier. So now like, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll hire the the licensed guy when I need him and then not when I don't have to. Unfortunately, none of that's in-house. It's all through, you know, subcontractors. But, you know, the more more I grow, the more I want to bring in more and more of those things in-house. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and that's, you know, part of so so as you know, kind of talking about you and your structure is you don't have, have it all under one house though. Mm-hmm. That's which is smart because you you understand the importance of splitting your liability yeah. and your taxes is if you got all yeah. your money coming under one roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 way that you can diversify your tax hit on it is a lot smaller. Yeah. But you know, you've got if you've got these other different departments yep. under your umbrella, you limited your liability because if you know you're the one swinging the hammer, but you also own the property and you break something or do something that then injures the 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 tenant or what have you, all of it's now up for grabs. It's yeah. it's not, oh well we can't we can go sue this separate mm-hmm. company because they did a shoddy job on repairing it versus oh well it's really the same company. So we're going after everything they own. So it's it's smart to yeah. as you've shown you mm-hmm. you're a great example of going Okay, I've got this department for this reason. I've got this department for this reason. And that comes down to having the right people on my team. So obviously, as an attorney, you're setting up those entities for me. But my accountant's the one that comes to me. He's like, hey, Kyle, you made a lot of money in this one uh, silo. We need to take break that off for tax reasons because it'll save you X amount of dollars in taxes next year. And then on top of that, we're going to make it S-Corp. So we don't have to, you know, if you don't want to pull money out, you don't get taxed on it. And so that's where having the right people in, on your team is so important. And so my accountant alerts me of things, you alert me of things, y'all execute what needs to be done that you know I'm not smart enough or capable or qualified to do. And that that's what I think a lot of problems I've seen or challenges with real estate investors is they think they can do it all. And they think that they're really smart and they may be, but you can't be smart in everything. Um, right. So I've seen a lot of people think that they can do everything. And when you're a jack of all trades, you're a master of none. You don't get as far down the road um, as, as you might get a couple of houses, and you're the maintenance guy, and you're the leasing agent, and you're the the guy buying it, and you're you're the person negotiating, you know, renewal terms with tenants. And man, you, if you try and do everything, you won't ever get anything done. And so yeah, that, that's yeah. where we lean on good people. That's exactly right. And if you don't get it structured right at the beginning, you know, if you pay a little bit extra at the beginning, it can save you money on the back end because a lot of times I've seen issues where people just went and did it, put it all under one house, and then they need to break it up. Well, breaking it up may cause tax implications. You know, maybe moving an asset outside of one company and over into another one could lead to major tax implications compared to, you know, okay, I paid a few extra bucks or maybe a few, a couple extra thousand to set up the structure properly to know, hey, in the future, if I do need to separate things. Well, they're already separated. Or if I need to sell this, it's not going to impact this over here. You're starting out at the beginning. You want to try and keep costs down, understand, but you also got to be forward thinking of, okay, 10 years down the road, am I still going to have this property? Mm-hmm. Is this going to be my only property? So do I want to have more? How do I protect those? How do I diversify those in and of themselves? It's always good to at least ask the questions beforehand before you just jump in with both feet. Right. Yeah. And, and like, I have no intentions of selling any of the businesses, but, you know, there might be a day where somebody decides to send me a crazy offer for my general contracting company. Well, it's already there. It has its own P&L. It's separate right. LLC. You know, we just, I can just sell it off. I don't have to break up Macaw property management at all to do that. Yeah. Cause that's, I've, I've seen that before. It's like, well, well, I've got, my real estate inside this, but I've got my operations practice under the same company and they, they want to buy the operations. Well, my, they want to buy the company. I, I don't want them to have my real estate. Yeah. So okay, I think well, I see a lot of, 
business owners that will have a great business, and this is where, where guys like you come in and they'll want to, they'll buy real estate that their business is in, in a different entity and then lease it to their business. And that way they sell their business and the real estate's a retirement plan. But and and on top of that, you're deducting expenses. Mm-hmm. So much. Another expense. You're yeah, paying rent's rent. rent's 100% deductible. And then you got your depreciating asset or as far as, yeah. Who are you paying rent to? Yeah. Yourself. Yeah. It's really, you know, it's a separate entity. So it's the smartest thing mm-hmm. in the world to to do that of like, own own your real estate separate from your operations because there's you get the best of both worlds mm-hmm. so, and you get to be your own landlord <laughs> yeah um, yep. so you don't have to worry about you know a bad tenant or a bad landlord because if you don't like them well then that means you don't like yourself right. so you got issues <laughs> yeah uh, so let's talk about maybe and, and you know we didn't talk about this in advance but hey have you ever seen any good examples of people that have used real estate that have ultimately changed the lives of their next generation or them or wealth building or you know retirement planning have you listen you're an attorney have you seen any good examples yeah absolutely i mean one it's a way to pass real estate down to to children, you know, maybe maybe a child doesn't own their own home or something yet. Okay, great. You want to leave that to them so that way they don't have to go buy a home. Mm-hmm. Okay, wonderful. Or maybe it's a way of continuing on a stream of income for for their family that will help benefit not only them but maybe their children, which would be their grandkids and things of that nature. Absolutely, I've seen it where you've got these wonderful business entities that are just like any other business, you know. If if I wanted to say say myself wanted to be an attorney, wanted to join the law firm and you know buy me out, so to speak, or if I die, it go to him, it's no different than that. Because real estate companies are just like any other company. And so if it's an asset that you could pass down that is already running, it's a plug and play for the family. Especially if you they've got the right team, such as, you know, a proper management company for the properties, things of that nature. What better way than to receive mailbox money? Yeah. You know, is what I call it. Like if mom and dad set up this company that's done properly, managed properly, and and has a great stream of income, what better way than to pass it down to the kids to where the kids can just kind of sit back and let it run like a well-oiled machine? Absolutely, I've seen that. It's it's you know, it's it's a wonderful thing. It's kind of like the Walton family. They pass on their stock, you know, Walmart and Sam's Clubs. Do they need to reinvent the wheel every time one of them dies? No, because Walmart and Sam's Clubs do their thing. They just get the stock and it's just passing down. It's just churning money for them. Mm-hmm. And I can certainly see helping the next generation either A, purchase their first home or hand down a home to them. And, you know, some people may look at that as like, oh, you're just you know, silver spoon or, you know, spoiling your kids, I, you know, and, and my kids are going to have to work their rear ends off. But I think the generation behind us is getting more and more challenging to purchase their first home. I, th- I think it's becoming less and less available to them uh, for various reasons, you know, pricing going up, income not keeping up, you know, financing terms, just a lot of yeah. variables in there. And I think that, you know, if you can get your next generation into home ownership faster that only that that's a net net win well kyle what what about okay you being the property owner and letting your kids buy it from you yeah you get to set the terms yeah you know so so what a wonderful opportunity to do that as a parent is like you're not giving it to them you're still making them pay for yeah. it uh you just don't they're maybe not having to go out and get a mortgage from yeah. you know, a third party you you have the property let them buy it. I've, uh, I've seen a lot of high net worth individuals 
And you've helped me structure some of these things where private money loans, instead of going to the bank for the FHA or all these hoops and hurdles, like why pay you know an entity that money when they could pay it to their parents yeah. or their grandparents? It's a win for them because it's better than a CD. It's better than whatever else. But then they're getting their family into investing or home ownership. It's all the best of both worlds because, you know, you know, maybe the older generation doesn't want the the unknown of what it'll be worth later. They just want the income stream. And the next generation is like, well, I need the long-term benefit of owning real estate, but not necessarily the income stream. So I think there's a good pair. And you know, I don't see that come up enough. I see it fairly regularly in my industry, but not as much as it should should be. Yeah. And, you know, and it, it, it is a way to just now, could it could it cause problems with family because it's money and family? Yeah, always. Yeah, of course. But, but you can have you, problems anyway. That's exactly Who'd right. you vote for when you're sitting at the, the, the Thanksgiving table? <laughs> yeah. There's always going to be something. That's a, that's exactly right. But like you said, it really is a win-win as if you're keeping your money in, in, in the family and not giving it away to someone else. What what better way to better your family? There's a reason those financial institutions have big skyscrapers, and I mean yeah. they're, they're making some money they, they off are. of us. Yeah, like, uh, you know, right right now I kind of joked with with someone. There's there's a new place being renovated, or it's an older place being renovated, but they're redoing all of it here in downtown Grapevine, and I believe it's a mortgage company. And he's like, really? I go, well, man, they're printing money left and right with interest rates. Mm-hmm. So they can go do stuff like that. And that's, I, I'm not in control of that. So I'm not getting political, but you know, when it's good, it's good. And so they're able to go do those things because who's paying for that? We are not, you know, and so it's just the way that it is. So, so if you can actually keep that money inside your family and let them earn it and things of that nature, great. That, mm-hmm. that benefits the family, not, mm-hmm. you know, ABC mortgage company. You know, I've, I've read a lot of books. So I'm, I'm not sure if I've, if I'm quoting the right book, but I think it's infinite investing. I think it was the term. I can't remember who it was written by. And there's several books, but it was, it was written by an attorney who talked a lot about where these financial institutions and investment firms make their money. And the way they quote returns is not really honest um, as far as like, hey, you, you got such and such return on your mutual funds. Well, not really, you know, because like, they, they don't take into account all the expenses and all that. But if you own the actual assets that the mutual fund owns, then then you would actually get that crazy good return. And so I think what you're doing when, when you set that type of business model up, you're cutting out all those middlemen that really aren't needed. They're not necessary. So I think if you have the right team together, you have your accountant, you have your, your attorney that sets things up and keeps you from making poor decisions and letting you know all the ups and downs and left and rights, then I think it's a very good business model for a family to have when they get to the certain level where maybe I can help my kid get into their first one, help my kid, you know, make a, a, a move that they wouldn't otherwise be able to. Tell you what, we've gone about a half hour or so. So what advice do you have in general to people that are, you know, on the fence on buying real estate and they're scared for a number two number of reasons? One, you're probably going to cover liability. But um, give us some basic, you know, pointers or ideas or things yeah. to think about. Yep. So, so if you're going to get into the real estate game, your first time buyer, things of that nature, I would absolutely recommend, you know, at least structuring it with a company to to limit your liability. Talk with an attorney about the best way to structure that and a CPA from a tax perspective structuring. But that's going to be your first thing to help ease your concerns because it's not, uh, you want to be very clear. It's not just, oh, I created a company with the secretary of state. I'm good. That's just the beginning of it. You know, you've got to have 
the proper corporate documents to show it's legitimate. You need to have a company bank account, more than likely an EIN, a tax ID number for the company. And then you got to have a rental agreement that makes sure that it shows it's between that company and the tenant. Because if anywhere it really shows it's just you individually, you're probably not going to get that protection. So it's very, very important to shield yourself personally and get it set up correctly from the beginning uh, in, in regards to that. As for the the other aspect of it is you may really want to consider, and 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 I'm, I'm not saying this because I'm on your podcast, but I've already made it clear to my wife, I go, we're not selling the home we're in. Yeah. We are going to keep it. We will buy another home when we outgrow this one, but I'm not running it. Yeah. I'm going to have McCall Property Management do it because I don't have the time. So that's all about having that proper team. And the other good part is how you've always presented this to, to us, including on our podcast that we had you on, is um, you know people don't realize that what they can actually rent their properties for. Mm-hmm. They're always afraid and lower when when in reality, you can you can do so much better. And so again, that's that's all about having the right team do things for you. And if and if I can just step away and let someone else take care of it. Mm-hmm. Deal with the evictions if necessary, but usually, like you said, you're vetting those people. So you're yeah, ten, tenants are rarely as bad as they the rep that they get. Like yeah, yeah. Oh, we manage a thousand houses, so yeah, we get some bad ones, and we every week we're gonna have a bad one. But we have a thousand houses, so odds are it's yeah. you're not gonna have a bad tenant, you know. And right. I've been a big fan of the term your property gets the tenants that it deserves. So most of our bad tenants, bad houses. Right. There are tenants that we didn't put into houses, but the nicer the home within, you know, to a certain limit, the better a tenant quality base you get or the tool or the pool of tenants that you can choose from. And, uh, you know, just, you know, make sure that they actually make the money they say they're going to make. There's a lot of fraud out there. So we, we do our best to catch it. Yeah, exactly. But see, you know, you're the one, your team is the one that's helping vet that. Yeah. I don't have time to sit through that. Well, and, 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 you know, you, you have a lot of resources, but you don't have the same resources I have. Like, so I, I pay a ton of money. That's where people think, oh, property management. Like, why do y'all pay, get paid so much? Like, no, we we pay a lot of money every month for all the resources we have. And one of them that we pay, and I don't, not very many firms have this. We, you, you may have heard of Plaid. Like if somebody's going to go apply for a loan somewhere, like there's a third party company called Plaid that'll go in and go into the bank account. It'll go into ADP. It'll go into the payroll services to verify source of funds from a that's actually honest. So if if a tenant comes to me and says, yeah, I make $1,500 a week from XYZ company and here's my pay stub, you can go out on the internet and create an XYZ company pay stub that match that. So our firm will go in and use this third-party source and they'll say, oh, no, in this person's Wells Fargo bank account or Bank of America's bank account, yep, they got X amount of dollars from that firm every other week for so many weeks. And they'll They'll even tell you if they're going to the pet store and tell them how much they're spending at the pet store. So you can kind of get some red flags there on that. Um, But there's just a lot of those neat little things that we can do just because we pay an arm and a leg for resources that protect you know, us and our clients. And see, that's, that's, that's all about having the right people that know to do those things. Yep. When you, when you, you feel like you can do everything, that's when you miss out on those type of things. But that's so exactly Spencer, right. I, I want to thank you for taking, I know you, you're crazy popular and you've got a lot of, like a lot of demands on your time. So I want to appreciate you spending time, you know, sharing your knowledge with us. If somebody's listening to this and says, Hey, I need a guy. And you need a guy like Spencer. How how would they get a hold of you? Yeah, so so they can either go to our website, which is just bccounselorsatlaw.com, or they can give us a call at 855-221-8251. 
And, and those are the two best ways you can kind of get our either contact us or get more contact information or more information about our firm. And and it's important. You're not just Texas. You do Oklahoma also. Yeah. So so we're licensed in Oklahoma, Texas, and uh, also New Mexico. Okay. New Mexico. Good. So if yeah. I get me, give me a cabin up in, up there, then you'll take care of it. Absolutely. I've got a me. client that actually helped do stuff like that for him up there. Good. So. All right. Well, Spencer, thank you so much. Thank you everybody for listening to another episode. If there's a takeaway that I want you to get is use experts where experts are needed, uh, you know, an attorney, CPA, all that, but get good advice from the educated sources. So don't, don't go to fake book. Don't go to Google, go to an actual attorney that actually is licensed and has rules that they have to follow. So Spencer, thank you again. And uh, look, look forward to uh, seeing you out in the world world outside of podcast soon. And then uh, look forward to the next episode. Thank you.